Father's arms are open wide. Hey, if this is your first time in church, the Father's arms are open wide. If this is your first time in church in a long time, the Father's arms are open wide. If you had the worst week of your life and you're walking into this place like I hope I don't get struck by lightning, get that shame out of here. The Father's arms are open wide. We say it every week. We're a bunch of imperfect people all just trying to pursue a perfect God. So as long as you aren't perfect yet, you're gonna fit right in. We are so glad that you are here. Let's say thank you to God and we'll dive into it. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I thank you for what you are doing in this place. Spirit, would you move? Spirit, would you teach us? Spirit, would you help us walk out of here different than we walked in? We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You guys can grab a seat. I'm gonna get this thing off. Guys, it's summertime. I love summertime. It's summertime and we're in Austin and we're at Red Rocks. And so we are jumping into a brand new collection of talks that we have creatively called Summer at Red Rocks Church. I know, I don't know how we thought of it. It took us, it took us all week, but we came up with it. Summer at Red Rocks. So I need a little crowd participation. Somebody tell me, uh, what is your favorite part about summertime? Shout it out. Baseball, swimming, golf, long days. Yeah. Anybody else like trying to, to like, like as soon as the sun goes down, then I can start winding down, except it's like 930 and it's still light out. It's amazing. It's the best. What about traveling? Anybody been on any good trips? this summer so far or have any good trips coming up? Where'd you go? Whoa. Whoa. Okay. I think we can just stop there. That's amazing. How was it? All right. All right. It was all right. It was great. Of course it was. Of course it was. Great hat, by the way. I love it. Yeah. Red rocks. Let's go. Let's go. Um, I love to travel, but I have a confession to make. I have a love hate relationship with traveling just because I love to travel, hate to pack. Anybody else with me? Hey, here's what I found out this week. There are some people who actually enjoy the process of packing. Like there are some people who will pack like five days before their trip. Do we have any, any of those people? Sam, that is you for sure, for sure. How many of you are uh, the night before? How many of you are... Um, I need to leave for the airport at 6 a.m., so I'll wake up at 5.30, I'll throw a few things in my bag, and then I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, do we have any just-in-case kind of packers? You know what I mean? Like the, uh, I'll, I'll throw two pairs of boots into my suitcase just in case we go to the same restaurant and I got to change it up, right? I'll throw 15 shirts into my suitcase just in case I get motivated to do like two-a-days all of a sudden out of nowhere, even though I'll work out once, maybe, right? I'll bring three toothbrushes just in case the first two like don't work out and then before you know it you have to like call your kids into the room to stand on the suitcase for you while you try to zip it up. I had one of those just in case moments on um, last Monday. I was in Park City last week and um, I was on a hike. I, I would go on a hike every day in, in, in Park City and the first day on Monday I land, I get to my hotel and I'm like all right it's time to start hiking and so I grabbed this very backpack that my brother made for me for Christmas years ago. What a great brother, right? And, and I go, okay, I'm going on a hike. And then my thought process was, 
I'm going to bring three books with me. Not one, not zero, not two, but three. Just in case I finish the first and then finish the second and want to dive into the, um, this is a true story. I put three books into my bag. And then I put two journals in my bag because, you know, you journal so much when you hike that you might need to, to dive into the second one. I still had my computer charger from the flight, which is just poor planning on my side. And then I stuffed a hoodie into my bag and headed out on an 85-degree hike, right? And did I mention I had three books in here? When you're in the hotel room, it kind of makes sense. You're like, well, just in case, right? But then the problem is you start hiking. And about mile four of my hike, I started wondering or started thinking, hey, this would be a whole lot easier if I wasn't carrying so much weight. And then I thought, that would be a great sermon for summer at Red Rocks. Because <laughs> here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, I'm guilty of this, and I see this in, in so many of us. It's like we tend to put the whole weight of the world on our shoulders. Anybody know that feeling? Uh, like we know that Jesus tells us, hey, um, come to me if you need rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And yet for some reason we almost wear it as a badge of honor to take on the world's problems and, and just throw them on our back and go, yeah, but I got this. I, I can help carry this. It's like we know the savior of the world and then for some reason we want to help the savior of the world just do what the savior of the world does best instead of just surrendering and worshiping and, and loving Jesus. Right? Anybody else feel this way? And so we like carry so much weight, and then we run into our roommate or our coworker or our spouse, and they're like, hey, um, are you okay? <laughs> you know? And we're like, oh, yeah, just following Jesus. <laughs> you know, you should too. It's a lot of fun. And they're like, no, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> you know? Okay, this happened to me on Thursday. I was working on this very talk at Codependent downtown, and the, the waitress came up to me. And, and apparently when I'm writing, I look really stressed out <laughs> because she comes up to me. This is a true story. She goes, hey, do you need another cup of coffee? Also, are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, just working on a sermon to help people not carry the weight of the world on their shoulders. She was like, yeah, you should practice what you preach a little bit, you know? This is what we do, and I think that Jesus, all throughout Scripture, gives us an invitation to go, hey, let me take that for you. Hey, hey, let me help take some of that weight off of your shoulders. Like, I literally went to the cross so that this doesn't have to be on your back. And so I titled this talk, Travel Light. Travel Light, if you're taking notes, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at a story about Jesus talking to his disciples, and I just believe that it's going to help all of us be freed up a little bit today and this week to leave here different than we came in, to walk out of here lighter than we came in. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be the type of person that when I walk into the room, everybody just takes a deep breath and goes, oh, we're going to be okay. We're good. As opposed to the type of person that walks into the room and everybody just feels heavy, you know, and weighed down by, by all of the problems, like my waitress at, at Codependent, right? I want to be the, the person who learns how to travel light, because I think that's what our teacher, what Jesus calls us to do. So we're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 9, if you have your Bibles. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a strange story, and confession, this is my first time ever teaching it. 
Because um, there's a verse in there that I've just never known what to do with. And yet, the last two weeks, as I uh, traveled way lighter for my, the rest of my hikes, it just started speaking to me, and I want to share it with us today. So this is Luke chapter 9. We'll start in verse 1. It says this. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. We could do a whole collection of talks just on those two verses right there. This is halfway through Jesus' ministry. He goes, hey, you guys have been following me for like the last year and a half. Now it's your turn to go and do likewise. And so Jesus sends out his disciples. And notice he says, proclaim the good news and heal the sick. Preach the gospel and meet tangible needs in the world. Make heaven more crowded and make earth more full. That's the what. That's, that's what Jesus tells them to do. And then in the next verse, he's going to tell them how he wants them to do it. Let's keep reading verse 3. It says he told them, get this, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money. In fact, you know what? Don't even take an extra shirt. I love this. The disciples are like, all right, it's game time. We're, we're ready to go. And Jesus goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, let's do this, but without the bread. And they go, okay, so I'll, I'll take the bread out of my bag. Okay, let's do this without the money. Okay, that's kind of scary, but I guess I'll take the money out of the bag. Um, you know what? No extra shirt. They're like, uh, okay, I guess I'll take the shirt. And then Jesus just goes, J just give me the bag, you know? Like, 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 this is Jesus going, I want you to travel light. Like, the lightest you can ever travel. Like, don't even bring anything at all. Just put it down. What do we do with that verse? It's there. Jesus said it, right? This is why I haven't preached this passage ever, right? But as I've been thinking about it, first off, let me say this. Uh, years ago, Doug and E and I were about to head out on a trip, and Ethan read that verse, and he had like an existential crisis, and he literally texted us. He was like, hey, you guys like put an, an extra shirt in your, your bag, right? I just want to make sure like if this is what Jesus wants. <laughs> and over the years, we've, we've realized like, hey, I, that's not quite the point. I think Jesus is saying something deeper. I think Jesus is saying, hey, when you learn to stop relying on your own strength, the strength of God will start to work through you. When you stop trying to rely on your own power, you'll see the power of God come alive inside of you. And some of you know this. Some of you have been in, in situations where you've had to rely on God's strength. Years ago, I was leading a, a trip in Costa Rica, and um, we, were, we were driving back up to our mission base. Our mission base was on this mountain. And uh, we were driving up. We used to always try to get there before the sun goes down because the road um, is really hard to, to see. The turnoff is really hard to see. But we got caught up in this project. And, and how many know when you're caught up in the project, like you can't break for dinner. You know, like you got to just finish the project. And so we finish it, but then we get back in this bus and um, it, it's dark out. And the bus driver is new, so the bus driver doesn't know where to go. And I'm like, I'll, I'll direct you. But then it starts raining. And if you've ever been to, to Costa Rica this time of year in rainy season, like the rain is real. You know, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous, and it's really intense. And so we're on this, driving up this mountain road. There's no lights anywhere. 
We're like, there's no homes around, there's no street lights, and it's pouring rain, so we can't see anything. And the bus driver goes, hey, um, did we miss our turn? And I go, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Like, I, th- I think it's still up a, a little ways. Let's keep going. So we keep going, and the bus driver turns back, and he's like, hey, I think we might have missed the turn. And right around this point, you know when you, you got a bunch of high schoolers in the back, and they hear things? They just, so they start going like, are we lost? You know? <laughs> So I've got them back in my ear, and then I've got the bus driver, and, and he, he goes, hey, it's starting to rain, and the road gets more and more narrow the higher you get, and it's starting to get muddy. He goes, if we go much higher, this bus might get stuck. We might be stuck here until the morning. I don't want to be stuck here all night with all these, these high schoolers. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. Let's just go a little bit further, a little bit further. And finally, like, he's looking at me. They're yelling at me, and I get to, like, the end of my rope where I go, I'm trying to figure this out, God. I have no idea. You called me to go on this crazy, these crazy trips, right, all over the, the world. I don't know what to do. God, I'm all out of options. I'm all out of strength. Could you help me? In that moment, I just felt like, like we were supposed to pull over, and so we pulled over, and I'm sitting there, and I go, God, I need you right now. I need you right now. I need you right now. We hear somebody knock on the, the, the bus, and uh, there's nobody around. Bus driver opens the door, and there's a man standing there. And I say, uh, this is a true story. I go, you're not going to shoot me, are you? <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at me like, why would you say that? <laughs> this kind of feels like that. I don't know. He goes, hey, you missed your turn. And I said, what? what are you talking about? And he points at the, we have the logo of our mission base on our bus. He points at that. He goes, that's where you're trying to get, right? Yeah, you missed your turn. It's easy to do. You just got to turn around, go back down the hill about a mile and turn left. And he just smiles at me. We close the door and I'm like, (laughs) now, good fortune, coincidence, maybe. But I also think that there's something to the fact that when we stop trying to rely on our own power and we get to the, the end of our own strength where the spirit of God comes alive and God starts to work and maybe what God's telling his disciples is, hey, I want you to go out and preach the gospel and heal the sick. I also want you to get to a point where you're traveling so light that you can't rely on any of the things that you used to rely on because then you're going to see the power of God at work in my life, right? And let's take this a step deeper. I think Jesus is saying, hey, we're trying to do something really cool here, but, but y'all are bringing so much baggage from your past that it's really slowing us down. Like Simon the Zealot. You know how you had this youthful angst that, that made you want to do all these radical things and overthrow Rome by violence because you just have all this, this, this rage locked up? Hey, that's not going to help us get to where we're trying to get. Let's lay that down, Simon. Let's travel light. Hey, hey, Matthew, you know all that shame that you're carrying around from years of being a tax collector and stealing money from your own people? Matthew, that shame's not helping us get where we need to get. Let's lay that down. Let's travel light. Hey, James and John, you know that prejudice you have in your heart versus the Samaritans? And you think that they are second-class citizens? Well, well, guess what? The gospel is for all people, and all people means all people. And so it's time for you to lay that down. Let's travel light because we got some people to love and a church to build, right? And so I think Jesus is going, hey, lay it down. Lay it down. Lay it down. And so that might, you, that, now you might be wondering, well, okay, how do we, we do that? I think the next two verses, he gives us two really tangible 
ways to do that. Let's go verse 4. He says, hey, whatever house you enter, just stay there until you leave that town. Simple. But watch this. I think this is the original warning against FOMO. Who knows what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. Few things in life are heavier. Few things weigh us down more than FOMO. I think Jesus is saying, learn to be present wherever you're at. Stay in the home that you're in. This is way before uh, phones and social media, right? Like imagine, imagine John goes out on his journey and they're preaching the gospel, they're healing the sick, and then they get to their host home. And they have a meal, and they tell stories, and they're laughing, and John's just so happy and content. And then he pulls out his phone, he gets on Instagram, he looks at his story, and he's like, wait, Peter's house has a pool? Aw, like I gotta get out of here, you know? Jesus is going, hey, this is real. Like if we could just learn to be content right where we're at, then we wouldn't all the time be feeling like we should be somewhere else doing something else. And then he says in the next verse, this is Jesus just getting honest. If people do not welcome you, leave their town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Jesus is going, hey, I'm God, and I can't even have everybody like me. <laughs> but like people are so mad at me, they're, they're going to kill me here in like a year and a half. You know? Jesus is like, hey, you're not going to make everybody happy. And when you try, you're just going to weigh yourself down with a burden you were never created to carry, right? Hey, people pleasing is going to weigh us down. Jesus gives us an invitation to do just that. And then the disciples do this. It says this in the final verse. It says, so they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. They didn't just huddle up like Ethan talked about last week and talk about it. They actually went out and did this thing. They traveled light. And church, I just have been feeling for the last two weeks like it's my job and privilege to stand up here and invite us to start traveling a little lighter. So let's talk about you. Let's talk about some of the things that may be weighing you down. Some of the things that are in your bag, so to speak. You see what I did there? That's, that's pretty good. First one. If you're anything like me, I think we have a tendency as human beings to try to take the gavel back from God. I think we have the tendency to judge people, right? And want to go, well, I know God's in charge and God has the last say, but I want to be the one judging everybody. I want to be the one setting the standard for what's right and what's wrong. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 has a really funny way to explain this. He, he says this. He goes, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? It, it's brilliant. He's like, Jesus is like, why are you walking around like, I can't believe that he went there last night. I can't believe she wore that today. I can't believe that guy's raising his hands in worship. Did you know he's living a double life? I can't believe she's already dating somebody else. I can't believe that their marriage is falling apart. I heard their kids are unhappy. I can't believe that those people over there gossip, <laughs> you know? And Jesus is like, how silly does that look? And maybe the reason we enjoy talking bad about other people so much is because we don't want to see what's right in front of our eyes, pun intended, 
Jesus is going, hey, what if we could learn to first address this and lay this down? There's this beautiful story in Genesis 50 where Joseph, um, his brothers uh, just did something terrible to him, and he lived a tough life because of his brothers. And then at the very end of the story, spoiler alert, as if this is like some Marvel movie, you know, um, go read it this week. It's awesome. Spoiler alert, the, the brothers have to come back to him at the, end of, at the end of the story and go, hey, Joseph, we actually need your help. And he's now in this, this position of power, and they get scared because they're like, because of that thing we did to our brother, like, this could go really poorly for us. And Joseph, in this beautiful verse in Genesis 50, says this. Joseph said to him, hey, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Joseph's going, hey, that's God's seat. God's the judge. I gave the gavel back to God a long time ago. That's, that's too weighty for me. That's out of my prayer. I, I, I don't want to deal with that. We're good, right? He just, Joseph had this amazing way of just, just letting go. It's beautiful. I, I got into some, some trouble in, in college, and me and two of my buddies had to go to court, which is funny now, like looking back. It's also funny because we didn't know how to tie a tie, and so we spent all morning like on YouTube trying to figure out, like, do I look okay? We had no idea what we were doing. We walked into this courtroom. Everything ended up being okay, but do you know what I didn't do? I didn't walk into the courtroom and sit down in the judge's chair and go, all right, listen up, you know, like, here's what happened, here's what didn't happen, here's who's responsible, here's what they should do. I think probably we could tear up that ticket and that fine, just a little community service, maybe write a letter. Um, I think we're, we're good to go. Let's go get some lunch, you know? That would have gone really poorly for me if I tried to do that. Why? Because that's not my seat. And yet I feel like as the guilty party, we still try to do the same thing with God, where we go, God, I know that that's your seat, but man, sometimes I'm, I just like to look down on other people. Now, there are some people in this room who have been through things that I can't even pretend to imagine, and um, I won't even, won't even try, and I'm, I'm so sorry. And what I'm not saying is, is that, that um, you shouldn't press charges, right? Like, I'll say it this way. You can forgive somebody and still get a restraining order against them, right? What I'm saying is that that underlying spirit inside that just so badly wants to see the person who wronged you get what's coming to them is really heavy. It's really, really heavy to carry. And it doesn't help us as we move forward for the gospel. It just doesn't, right? And if, just so we're clear, God is the judge. And God is really good at being the judge. In fact, if you want to know how seriously God takes judgment, look no further than the brutality of the cross. God is the judge. It's just that God is also love at the exact same time. And right around there, my mind just shuts off <laughs> as far as I, I can get. But what I know is that that's not my chair. And so some of us, man, if we could just this week, anytime you feel yourself starting to judge somebody, if this was your model, no, I'm just going to give the gavel back to God. I... I know this isn't like physically heavy, but it's, it's a metaphor, right? The gavel is really, really heavy. And if we could just lay it down, man, it'll feel like the weight of the world is washing off of our shoulders. Uh, let's do another one. How many of you know what this is? VHS. 
Diane. Diane, do you have some VHSs still? <laughs> for those of you, <laughs> for those of you who are like, what is that? Okay, when you're looking at Netflix tonight and there's nothing on, every time you pass a movie, just know that that movie is one of these. Unless it's a long movie, then it's two of these. <laughs> and if it's an entire series, it's like 40 of these stacked on the floor. And if you're like, I thought those were called DVDs. You're on the right track. You got to take it back a little bit further, a little bit further. Hey, you haven't felt regret until you've put a VHS of Top Gun into your VCR player and realized that you forgot to rewind it last time you watched it. And now you got to, this is my childhood. Okay, the other thing that we used these for when I was in high school is um, we would film our, I was a football player, we would film our football games, and then on Saturday morning, we would go into the film room, and the coach would put one of these VHSs in, and we would watch back every single play from the night before, which was usually a great experience, except for homecoming weekend on my junior year of high school, because... Homecoming weekend, my junior year of high school, we were, let me set the scene for us. This is, it's Friday night, lights are on, nighttime, we're down by three, it's the end of the third quarter, place is like so lively, right? And, and I'm the wide receiver, and so I'm, if you're like, you can't tell, I'm the guy who like could never put on any muscle or any weight, so they're like, we'll just throw Ryan out there and he'll go run the routes and catch the ball, right? Uh, that was my job. And so it's homecoming. We're down three. It's third and six. And, and, and we line up for the Dodds. Where are the Dodds at? This is Shea Stadium, by the way, for the, yes, yes, they were following in my footsteps just a few years later. Probably way better than I did. Um, yeah, you, you know the scene, right? It's just, it's just electric. And um, we run this no huddle offense. So I'm, I'm lined up, and I'm looking over to the coach for the play. And the coach goes like this which means dragon, and dragon was my play, right? This means that the tight end is, is running out, and I'm running a little three-step slant over the middle, and I'm about to catch a touchdown pass, and, and all my friends are going to go crazy, and my teammates are going to love me, and that girl who rejected me to the homecoming dance is going to wish <laughs> she had said yes. I'm kidding. Actually, I'm not. <laughs> That's a sermon for another day. Flip the script on singleness. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so I'm lined up. All these thoughts are going through my head. Quarterback snaps the ball. I go one, two, three. Fake to the outside, so the cornerback thinks I'm I'm going outside. Drew, you know what I'm talking about. And I run my slant over the middle. Quarterback puts the ball right here. We've done this hundreds of times, right? And I'm like, this is it. This is my moment. The ball hits my hands goes way out the other side of the end zone, drop, drop the ball. And I was devastated. Like, devast like I couldn't bounce back all night. Like, like, we had still had another quarter to play. I couldn't get out of my own head. We ended up winning, no, fault, no help of my own, right? Like, it's homecoming weekend. I can't even enjoy the dance. I'm just replaying the scene over and over and over again. And Saturday morning, we go into the film room. The coach puts the tape in and gets to that play. And he pauses it, and he was just talking shop with me. He didn't mean anything malicious by this, but he pauses it, and he goes, hey, you would have split the, the free safety in the corner right there. You would have you been able to make one move and score a touchdown. 
And I said, yeah, no, I know. I've, I've played this out in my head so many times. Anybody have any regret in their life that just feels like it's playing on repeat in their mind? I, like, for, for two years, I would wake up in the middle of the night, and it, I would just play through that moment. You're like, Ryan, you're being dramatic. Sports was, like, all I had going for me, okay? So just, just give me this. And uh, every time I saw the quarterback, he'd always be like, hey, homecoming game. And I'd always be like, I know, I know, my bad. Regret has this odd way of weighing us down. Regret has this odd way of sticking around. But then what happens is two years later, uh, you guys have heard the story um, through a lot of crazy events in college. I, I have my life radically changed. I start following Jesus. And one day, on a, a worship service like this, the pastor is talking about regret. And he goes, hey, there's some people in this room, and it's time for you to release some regret. And, and then during worship at the end, uh, I'm just singing, and I felt like the Holy Spirit uh, was going, hey, you know that, that pass that you dropped junior year of high school? It doesn't matter. You know? Like, stop taking yourself so seriously. You, weren't, you won the game anyways. You weren't ever going to go D1, and she was never going to say yes to the homecoming dance. <laughs> this is how God talks to me. I don't know. <laughs> and I just have this really sweet moment where I go, I'm taking myself too seriously, aren't I? Like, maybe I should start taking God really seriously, but not take myself so seriously. And maybe, maybe I should just take all this re regret that I have and just hand it back over to him. Release the regret and just watch what happens. I saw that quarterback a couple years later, and he comes up to me, and he, he goes, homecoming, junior year. And I used to like, get all scared and stuff when he would say that. And it wasn't even hard for me to do. I, I just had one of those moments. You know those moments where you realize you've changed? I had one of those moments. I just look at him, and I go, hey, I moved on from that. You should, too. And we just have this moment together where we're like, yeah, we don't want to be like, Uncle Rico and Napoleon Dynamite, you know, like, we got stuff to do, man. Who cares about high school? Like, high school football is important, but let's move on. We got, we got things to do. Regret will weigh us down. The Spirit of God is ready to say, hey, I'm ready to take that for you whenever you're ready. And I feel like today is a few of your, your day. It's time to release some regret that, that's been going, the tape that's been going on and repeat in your mind. It's time to heal from that. Let's do one more band. You guys can come up. The last one I would say that holds us down is the mirror. It's comparison. So often I feel like we are trying to have conversations with people and really what we're doing is there's a mirror in the way and we're really just thinking, I wonder what they think about the conversation I'm having with them. Can I just be honest for a second? I, we've been up here for 30 minutes. I've been up here for 30 minutes. Uh, we, yeah, <laughs> uh, for a lot of it, I have been able to just share with a room full of people a message that I feel like God has placed on my heart. What a beautiful gift. For some of it, I've been going, oh, I wonder if they thought that was funny. I wonder if I did okay with that point. I wonder if I set this up all right. I wonder if this makes sense, right? This is what we do. 
I was having dinner with, with Tyler Pullen on Friday, and we were, he was helping me process this talk, and he goes, oh, it's like the, the Zoom window problem. I go, what's the Zoom window problem? He goes, you know how you're on Zoom in a meeting, and you're talking to 10 other people, but you're just watching yourself talk to those 10 other people. And I said, I thought I was the only one that did that. He goes, no, 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 no. Or it's me last night at 10 p.m. Trying to, trying to get this talk finished, getting on YouTube and watching other pastors do what I do, but, but with so much ease, it seems, and so much style, and they just say things so well, and I'm like, oh, I should have said that. You know, like, let's just play a video of them tomorrow. It's comparison. And hearing God just say, hey, if I wanted you to be them, I would have made you them. I want you to be you. I want you to give the message that I gave to you the way that, that, that I empowered you to do it. Just be who you are at church. I think, I just have this suspicion that some of us this week are going to learn how to lower the mirror and it's going to change everything for us. But like next time you're in a conversation and you feel yourself doing that thing that us humans do where we start to wonder, well, I, I, I wonder what they think about the things that I like. Being spiritual enough? Am I being funny enough? Am I talking enough? Am I talking too much? <laughs> you know, am I smart enough? Am I not smart enough? All these silly games that we play, what if we learn to lower the mirror and go, no, I actually care about the person I'm talking to more than I care about what they think about me? Just watch what happens in your own soul as you're set free from the weight of the world. And also in theirs, as they finally just have somebody who's willing to listen to them. I think this is part of Jesus' secret. I think this is one of the things that Jesus was so good at is he wasn't walking around like, oh, I wonder if I'm doing okay being the Messiah. You know? He just knew who he was. He knew who his father was. He knew what his father says about him. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And he just lived life caring deeply about every single person that he met. So I wonder what it would look like as we sing just the last few songs and we get you out of here to go enjoy your beautiful, awesome weekend, to drop some of this weight that you've been carrying on your shoulders. Maybe it's judgment. Maybe it's regret. Maybe it's comparison. Whatever it is, Jesus is here to say, nah, let me take that. In fact, I wanna read one last passage for us. As we do, would you guys stand up to your feet? I want you to hear this. I want you to hear these words as if Jesus is talking to you right now, because he is. And whatever is going on in your own heart, whatever the Spirit of God is, is up to in your own soul, just let these words bring you some comfort. And, and maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time, what would it look like to, to let God in this moment take these things from you? So Jesus says this. He says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, get this, rest for your soul thing your soul is searching for, the type of rest that a good night's sleep can't fix. Jesus is going, you've been carrying too much. You're exhausted because you've been carrying too much. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So all across the, this room, 
right now, listen, if it's judgment, if you find yourself judging other people, maybe there's an event going on in your life right now and you're judging that person, what would it look like to get out of God's seat and go, God, I, this wasn't fair. This wasn't fair, but also you'd coming to die on the cross for me wasn't fair. And so I'm gonna get out of your seat and I'm gonna give this to you. Would you come, would you take this weight? It's too heavy. The gavel is too heavy. I gotta give it back to God. If it's regret, man, I know the feeling. I used a silly illustration earlier about a football game. I've, I've, I've got more serious ones and we can get serious in a hurry. But what I do know is that the cross is sufficient for all of us. And so it's time to release that regret because Jesus goes, I carried that 2,000 years ago. Why are you still trying to carry it around? It's time to travel light. And comparison, man, the mirror is a real thing. But Jesus is just going, come on, come on. Let me start telling you who you are. Let me start telling you what the Father thinks about you. And spoiler alert, the Father goes, that's my son, that's my daughter with whom I am well pleased. So in this moment, we're just going to let Jesus do what Jesus does best. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for carrying the weight for us. Father, I thank you that in this moment, right here and right now, there's nowhere else that we have to be. There's nothing else that we have to be doing. And so right now, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would take all of these burdens that we've been carrying and do what you do best. Father, we release them to you. We release our judgment. We release our regret. We release our comparison. And we say, Spirit of God, would you come and fill up, our, fill up this place. Fill up the spot in our heart that we used to regret and remind us that you love us. So as we come to you now to sing and worship, would you speak to us in the name of Jesus. Amen.